Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannum. Welcome to Sports Clicks and Politics, episode three. We're going to thank you for your patience. Uh, sorry for a slight, slight delay getting started here. Uh, ben, thank you for uh, finally getting here, joining us. I'm I know sorry. you were doing a lot of math at the uh, household there on some uh, COVID deaths in nursing homes, I guess. So um, that is correct. Yeah. Let's, uh, so let's, I don't know, do you want, let's start with sports. Um, well, anyway, what did you do over the weekend first? I was Father's Day. Oh, yeah. So, was, so uh, a lot of cake and uh, socks and ties? I mean, yeah. Well, no. It, my kids are awesome, and so is my wife. So I got whiskey, golf balls, and a cigar ashtray. So she hit all of my vices all at once. It was a really well done by my children. Uh, and we had my oldest son's birthday party on Saturday. So it was a very festive weekend for us. It was a lot Excellent. of fun. Excellent. How about you? How was fun? I played a little golf, yeah. Nope. All the same things. You know, I, I'm a very low low maintenance person. So I did, was my, enjoyed the day off because I had, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I'm the only bartender working at the facility that I'm working at right now. So I'm working all the shifts. Um, that sounds fun. Yeah. I'll be doing it again this week though, but at least we have help this week. So it'll be fun. Um, so let's, well, let's talk about real golf again, uh, since that's the only sport that's actually being played successfully won some money finally this week. Um, here, I'll throw up my, uh, I'll throw up, I'll throw up my, uh, my DraftKings lineup and, uh, I'll talk about it real quick. Um, so here I won $387. So I'm going to roll that right over and, uh, play again this week at the, uh, hey, travelers, travelers championship. Yeah. You're not going to see it, Ben. Oh, okay. It's just going to be on the screen. Awesome. That yeah, makes I won $387. Congratulations. Yes. Um, Better than last I had I had Webb Simpson. Obviously, he was the champion. Uh, he won. He was in my single entry. I only play single entry tournaments. He was the highest uh, owned player in the tournament at 45%. So you almost had to have him to win now, which I did. Um, I had Bryson DeChambeau, uh, Gary Woodland kind of. Sucked it on Sunday for me, or I could have been better. Terrell Hatton, he finished uh, T3, I believe. Um, Roy Sabatini had a nice Sunday, nice weekend for me. And Brian Stewart was my uh, cheap guy who got through the weekend, made the cut, and helped me, uh, my 1% guy anyway. So I'll call it a successful week, but uh, I guess a successful week for Webb Simpson as well since he gets to, gets a bigger paycheck than $387. But Yeah, I would say he had a even, mildly more successful weekend than you. I mean, but I'll, I'll, I'll coattail wherever I need to. So. I'm not judging. I'm yeah, just, no, I got you. I got the you. math again. I keep going back to that. That's yeah. the problem. So, so anyway, you know, they, they moved this week to uh, the PGA, moves this week to the Travelers, which I believe is in Connecticut. Um, yeah. I'll have a lot of the same, these, some of the similar guys. I'll go through my lineup uh construction uh next week at this time so um since since your uh covid brain is uh fresh on the <laughs> mind here why don't we jump into some of the numbers that you have in front of you here before we get into the main topic of the day uh the mysterious dickhead mr jeffrey epstein um that'll be fun. so covid you said you did a deep dive into nursing home deaths and how they're being tracked in New York State and how they're comparatively tracked to other states? So, yes, I, I started looking at things because I got curious of, all right, I, I have this inclination 
that says New York State, the way that we counted nursing home deaths is grossly off. There's no way we have the right number. And for anybody that doesn't know, the reason is uh, initially they were not tracking COVID-19 deaths in nursing homes at all. They had no system in place. They didn't do anything about it. And, and that is a separate number, you mean. They were tracking deaths that correct. were happening there, but they weren't separating them out that were happening specifically in nursing homes. Right. Gotcha. Right. So everything was being in. They had an emergency email go out to all the nursing homes that said, mandatory webinar that you have to be on to discuss this in, I think it was an hour. They had one hour to get drop everything and get on because at some point, the uh, governor's team realized they're not tracking this and they should be because it's a problem. So even then, the instructions came out, said, count the people that died in your facility, not the people that got it, went to the hospital, and died in the hospital. So only the people who died in the nursing home facility directly were counted as nursing home Correct. Deaths. Anybody who contracted the virus at the nursing home and was moved to a hospital and later died anywhere else other than the nursing home was not tracked as a nursing home death. Did not count as a nursing home death. Gotcha. Got to understand the math so far. Right. So when first asked about it, Andrew Cuomo came out and said, well, I think some of those nursing homes put profits ahead of patients and we're going to investigate them. Completely ignoring the fact that he signed an executive order in March that said, if you're a nursing home and you turn away somebody who is positive for COVID-19, we will revoke your license. All right. And that's a mandate. That's a mandate. You have to take positive COVID-19 patients. The exact wording is that can't be the sole reason for you to turn them away. Gotcha. You, you can't turn them away just because of COVID-19. So they asked him about it. He, first, he blames the nursing homes. Then he comes back and blames that he was following Donald Trump's federal guidelines, to almost exactly quote him. That was then proven to be completely false. It was well out of the realm of the federal guidelines, what he did in New York State. And then he came back and said, well, we were worried about overwhelming the healthcare system. So I think the third one, we finally got to the real reason for the order. Right. And I don't, I mean, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, if you did any of this in your research, but I don't know that anybody else, any other governor was using that same order to, for patients in nursing homes or were there? Uh, There were, there were a couple other states. New Jersey did it the same way for a while. They got away from it. Massachusetts did the same thing. And California actually did the same thing as well, but California recognize the error of their ways much faster than New York did. So I started looking at this, and and there's two reasons I think this still matters. One is we're still learning a lot about this. We don't know a ton about it, but I know that we screwed this up, and if somebody somebody should be held accountable for this, some acknowledgement that this was a mistake, because right now we've just moved on, and I'm I'm trying to wrap my brain around it. And then obviously there was the consideration of – they can't, the, the families, if you have a family member that passed away in a nursing home, you don't have the option of suing the nursing home. They took it away right. in New York State. Yeah. Right. So basically the governor insulated the very entities that he enabled because he knew he erred. So I, I feel like, and maybe you have the dates in front of me, so he eventually changed this policy, correct, Governor Cuomo? So eventually, yes. They changed it and said that you could, and that you could send them somewhere else. You didn't have to take it, which obviously should have been But I feel plan. like it was two months, like I think it was at some time in May when he changed that order. So clearly had, you know, the, the, the nursing homes had two months of uh, mandated, you know, patient acquisitions that were positive that, you know, in hindsight, turned out to be a blunder, to say the least, and mm-hmm. caused, you know, massive amounts of spread within those facilities. 
and everybody seemed to know at the very beginning that the elderly or people with pre-existing conditions were the most vulnerable for this disease, yet we, or we, I don't want to take any credit here, the governor uh, uh, instituted this executive order basically mandating patients be put back into, the, you know, in, in their residence at, 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 at the most high-risk facilities in the country. Right. That, that sums it up. It, and so... Unfathomable. So on top of all that, now... How, they're tracking nursing home deaths slightly different than most of these other states. How would that, you know, get, you said you did some math comparing to some other states if they just kind of, you know, played along the averages and, mm-hmm. you know, where would we fall in? So let me take a step back and I'm going to okay. dive into that in one gotcha. minute. Here's my, if you look at the studies from a macroeconomic standpoint, I look at every other country, how their performance been as compared to America, and we keep hearing about how bad America's doing on a percentage basis, uh, cases per capita, deaths per capita, total deaths, and everything else. And it's, it's actually an accurate statement. They're not doing well. We're not doing well. So on the first, uh, on the first sheet that's on there, I compared, if you put, took New York State and treated it as its own country, what would the numbers look like compared to every other country? It's worse than every other country from a deaths per total, or excuse me, from a deaths per 1 million of population and from a total cases per 1 million of population. So New York State is accounting for roughly half of the, um, not, not half, I don't want to say it that way. New York State is accounting for 31,000 deaths right now out of America's entire um, death count. Okay. There's got to be a better way of saying that. I, I feel dirty just saying the, those words. but uh, So it's single-handedly impacting the numbers disproportionately. Our numbers are so grossly bad in this state, and I can't help but wonder why and what is the impact that's having now. So we're still trying to get out of the pause here and everything else, and some of us are still trying to figure out what is the actual threat of this disease. Right. And I'm tired of hearing every time I say, look, I don't think the mortality rate is that high. I don't think that this is what it is. People shouting back at me, well, you don't believe in science or you just whatever Trump says you'll believe, which I kind of have to laugh at. Um, So I started going through and saying, all right, right now in New York State, 31,000 and change, that number of people have passed away. The official number out of New York State is that 6,413 people have died in nursing homes. So that's those the official. Are, so and that's the number that actually died in the facilities. Correct. Gotcha. So 6,000, what was the number? 6,413. Okay. Out of 31,000? Right. 20.54% okay. is the number. Now, if you look across all of the states, the average across the USA is 55.9%. As a total number of deaths, what percentage of those died in a long-term care facility? Now, so, that's nursing home, assisted living, hospice. So you're saying over half of all the deaths have been in those facilities? Uh, yes. And on every other state other than New York? Correct. Where yeah. we're at 20%. Correct. Okay. So here's where your math skills come in. Yes. So I extrapolated this out and said, let's just assume that New York was somewhere in the middle, even though there is very good cause to think we would be on the high end since not only did we not protect the people most vulnerable, we actively endangered them. Correct. And put them in harm's way. So let's just assume that we went to about a 60% uh, based on the high end is 80% long-term care facility deaths out of the total deaths. And Hawaii is the exception at zero, but everywhere else it's right around 20. New York State has the lowest percentage except for Alaska and Hawaii. 
we are doing better than every other state based on the 6,413 number. So if that makes sense to you, I need to understand your logic because I don't know how we could have the worst policy around nursing homes. The people in the nursing homes could be the most vulnerable population of this disease, but we have a lower percentage of nursing home deaths compared to overall deaths than any other state. Yeah, it doesn't seem to drive. It does not add up. So, so yeah, so if you're going to the 55, 60%, which seems to be the average and maybe a little bit more, which is probably understating the thing, what number are we getting at up we're to 31,000? Uh, probably about 20,000 of the deaths are from nursing homes. That's extract. Now, I think this still matters for a couple of reasons. The first is we keep focusing on the wrong problem. And I think specificity is so important when you're trying to actually fix something. The analogy I'll use is back in the 1980s, 1990s, we started learning about stranger danger. All right. All the kids got taught if some stranger comes up and tries to get you in the car, stay away, stay away, run, go find somebody you trust, go find a family member, go find somebody like that. Then the data came in. The predatory drive-by accounts for less than 1% of all incidents of child sex abuse. 99% of the time, it is a trusted relative family member or a close family friend. So by focusing all of this effort on avoid strangers and trust these people because they're your family, we set up so many kids for trouble because we actually set up the solution to further the problem. And that's the, what I'm looking at now is saying, okay, wear a mask when you're outside. Well, I think that we've pretty well established wearing a mask outside has very little impact on decreasing the spread of this virus based on there's not a huge spike after the protests. You're not seeing huge spikes across the country. Uh, instead, it's let's look at the actual problem. So we're still doing all of these things, and we're still asking businesses to shut down and stay closed and not make any money because it's for the common good and it's doing for the good for society. When in reality, we have skewed numbers based on bad policy, that if we had just done what Florida did early on and said, okay, I know we're worried about the healthcare system, but we know this attacks the people over the age of 80 and people that are sick more than anybody else. So let's get all the PPE we can into the nursing homes. Let's make sure we avoid this coming in and taking out that, to use Mr. Cuomo's analogy, fire through dry grass is what the fear would be. And we did nothing to stop it. So now I can't help but think, what if we had done a better job? What if New York, what if Pennsylvania, what if New Jersey, what if Massachusetts had done a better job of avoiding the nursing homes and protecting the nursing homes? If you do that, your death count probably drops by, let's say, conservatively 35%. That's a huge difference. Now, instead of talking about a mortality rate of some, I mean, I've seen estimates as high as 3.5%, which I think is crazy i I mean but to your point you're you're, at least you're addressing the main threat area right where the area where the disease could be a threat so yeah you know obviously we've touched on this a little bit before where this policy was obviously backwards um but i think some of that and i think actually maybe more than some of it i think all of it had to do with the fear that was generated through some of these early modelings and and the media follow-up that happened i mean Again, I'm not one to necessarily defend Cuomo, but I'm guessing he was scared out of his gourd of and, and made a bunch of decisions that turned out to be bad. Now, he it took him way too long to unwind that bad decision. Um, you know, we heard everything other than uh, my dog ate my nursing home, uh, you know, nonsense. So, I'm, you know, I, whatever. So, like, I'm glad he changed the policy eventually, but right. come on. So, um, I, I, I'm going to agree with you. You know, I, I, I think the numbers are, are definitely skewed because I've been, you know, long knew that they were not tracking 
you know, nursing home deaths the way other states were. So our numbers were going to be uh, disproportionately lower. So I'm glad you kind of went through all that. Anything else you want to finish up on this? I, again, I didn't get the chance to look at them all because I was right. in here waiting for you. But I'm sorry. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Just one last shot in there for all me. Right. Uh, yeah, the, the other thing that to look at is I know everybody's seeing the, the new spikes. Uh, Florida's seeing a big spike in cases and Arizona and everything else. And listen, take a step back and just recognize that when they're doing this, first off, a bunch of these states, if you go in and test negative, they don't even count your test. But if you count positive, then it counts as a test and a positive test result. The reason behind that is people get tested multiple times and they don't want to skew the numbers. But they're skewing the numbers the other way by doing this. And in Florida, they're not hitting capacity of ICUs. They're back to a normal level for ICU capacity. I mean, if it gets worse, yes, it could cause problems, but we're just not there yet. We're being told to be afraid of things that are not warranting this level of fear. So if you start diving into the numbers deeper, you start to see that. And I think we have to do that because I I don't think there's a vast media conspiracy to do anything about Donald Trump or whatever else. I think it's very simple. If you look at how the human brain works, three things bring us to action. One is the search for food, water, and shelter. Two is the prospect for gain. Three is the fear of loss. Fear motivates human beings better than anything else, and the media are in the business of selling to advertisers and getting more viewers, getting more readers. Therefore, if they say coronavirus looks like it's in a solid, slight decline, nobody clicks on the article. But when you see 16 people go to a bar in Florida and get COVID, that triggers you to start thinking more about it and looking more and reading more. And and, and I'll just end with this a little bit, unless you have some follow-up. But so two things, you know, this fear thing, totally right. And people are are acting out of fear, which kind of will piggyback onto this mask thing. So if the virus is not as dangerous as we've been led to believe, how important are the masks? You know, not, not dispelling the fact that they can cause you know benefit of spreading droplets or whatnot but like how how dangerous are the droplets so like what are we doing um are we making you know dining out uh, as uncomfortable as possible for the staff and people i mean i don't understand how that is benefit if the if the if the threat is significantly less than we once thought then the masks as beneficial as they may be are are not all that beneficial if they're not protecting us from a threat. I'm of the opinion, listen, if you are over the age of 60, if you have diabetes or heart disease or, or one of these pre-existing or uh, underlying conditions, wear a mask by all means. And if you're perfectly healthy and you're going out and I can't be six feet away from somebody else, I'll put a mask on. I'm not, I'm not rude about it. I'm, I'm happy to do it. If I'm walking outside or if I'm walking through a department store that I'm not within 30 feet of anybody, the mask is useless because right, well, it doesn't stop the spread. And, and like I said, it's more of the, you know, if the virus is not a, a, a threat to the large majority of the people, then what benefit are the masks really playing, I guess? There's so. not, it's, it's nothing more than giving somebody almost a placebo effect of feeling better. And that's, it. and that's fine, but if you start breaking down the rates by numbers, if you're under the age of 18 – this is a 0.00001% mortality right. rate. If you're under the age of 40, you are basically less than, substantially less than the flu. This right. is almost. And you, right. I think no and if shot. you removed pre existing conditions, it's, it it's almost non existent. So. Right. And this is the thing is, I, I get asked this a lot of, and people think they're scoring some kind of a hit on me when we're discussing this. And I'm saying, look, I'm, I'm 35 years old. I'm in good health. I am not worried about me getting this disease. I'm just not. 
if I got it, number one, 99% chance I wouldn't even know I had it. I would be asymptomatic. And number two, it doesn't affect children, so I feel good about that. Now, my situation is also I don't spend a lot of time around people over 65 right now in my day-to-day life. My parents live out of state. My in-laws live out of, out of the city. We're not coming into regular contact with that. If I were, I would do it differently. But we got to stop with a broad-based approach that what is right for one person is right for everybody. Yeah, it's I, not. Yeah, and, and you know, the bigger number, I know everybody is talking about cases now, which, you know, every, every, every three weeks they change the data metric that they're using to inform us right. by, and now it's cases. But, like, cases without increased hospitalizations is good, right? So, like, that means people are adapting to the disease, overcoming it, have very little issues if they're not going to the hospital. So if we have a decreased death count and a de- decreased new hospitalization and an increased case count, I don't see how that's a, a negative for society. I feel like that is a way that we wanted to kind of do this in the first place, right? I mean, we're spreading it without people overrunning the system. The, right. the curve has been flattened. Right. As soon as this virus got here, all right, and whatever you want to talk about, I love the conspiracy theories on how it got started and everything else as much as anybody else does. They're fantastic. But whatever the cause, as soon as it got here, people were going to get sick and some people were going to die. It yeah. was an inevitability. Sure. You can't stop that. And we, again, with these, with the, you're harming people. Suicides are up. Overdoses are up. That's are going up in every other category. People that should be getting treatment for cancer and heart attacks and testing for these things aren't getting them. And all of these deaths have gone up. And it's the same problem of we lacked speci- uh, we lacked a specific threat. We looked at COVID and acted as if this was going to be some weird combination of SARS. Uh, swine flu and bird flu all meshed together that was going to come for all of us. And the headlines all said, spares no one. Everybody's going to be on a ventilator, et cetera, et cetera. And it does get to you. You start to like, oh, geez, this is really, really bad. But then as the numbers come out and that's not supported, it's now people have their narrative and nobody wants to change their mind. No, for sure. If you are an anti-mask person, that's great. But understand, they can be helpful in specific circumstances. Wear the mask if you're around somebody who is or could be susceptible to the virus, and you can't be more than six feet away from them. It's just good courtesy to have, if sure. um, unless you have like a breathing issue or something like right. that. That's my opinion. Yeah, I'm right with you on all course. that. So, all right. Sorry. Anything, anything else on the COVID? Yeah, let's just keep getting more all information. Right. Well, more information. Let's speak of more information. There doesn't seem to go a week without there being some new information that is just as bizarre as the week before's information on Jeffrey Epstein. So, Hit the, me. you know, the what last we couple of weeks, right. So the last couple of weeks, um, which I, you know, we've had even some this week here. Um, but so in the last couple of weeks, we've had Prince Andrew, who is basically uh, being subpoenaed through a treaty uh, that the U.S. and the U.K. have um, called the Mutual Legal Assistance Treaty. Sure. Um, Love that document. Yeah, no, first time hearing of it, but it sounds wonderful here in this, in this regard. Um, I'm going to read this uh, for the uh, this, uh, first paragraph from this news article for the uh, audio listeners. It says, Federal prosecutors in New York formally requested through the British government to speak with Prince Andrew as part of their criminal investigation into Jeffrey Epstein's history of sexual abuse, according to a person familiar with the matter. The request made under the Mutual Legal Assistance Treaty is similar to a subpoena in the case for Prince Andrew's testimony. So, I don't think Prince Andrew ever testifies, first of all, for more. Let me tell you, I mean, he he ends up suicided the day before that testimony happens, if not a couple days. Um, 
I like that. Being said, suicide is a verb, by the way. Yes. Well, welcome to 2020. Um, so this is interesting to me because if they can compel him to testify again, I don't think he ever will, but at least they're trying to move this forward, um, with every piece of leverage that they have. Um, I'm assuming that they can use something similar to this, uh, for Jelaine Maxwell as well. Um, or any other co-conspirators that seem to be, you know, hiding out through their country of origin or whatnot. Um, obviously this treaty specifically is here with the UK, but I believe Maxwell is also a UK citizen along with Prince Andrew. So, um, maybe they could use this for her. Um, but again, this happened two weeks ago. Prince Andrew responded uh, that he had several times tried to work with the federal authorities, but had none able to work out an arrangement, which the immediate response from uh, New York was bullshit. So um, I don't know. So this was, this happened now real real quick side note on this. Um, The lead investigator for this was just removed by uh, attorney general Bill Barr um, for other reasons, supposedly, um, but I don't think there are any coincidences in regards to Jeffrey Epstein. So I'll note that Bill Barr's father was the headmaster at the Dalton School, who I think through 1974, and Jeffrey Epstein was hired in 1973, so say reports. So there is this overlap where it appears that Donald Barr may have hired a, an extremely unqualified Jeffrey Epstein to be a teacher at an elite school for the uber wealthy. So I'm not sure if this was the genesis of the operation that Jeffrey Epstein, I believe was operating, but it, if it's not, it's pretty convenient coincidence. But again, I don't believe in coincidences, especially not in this. So just so the people who don't know, uh, the Dalton school is a very upscale school outside of New York city. Jeffrey Epstein is not a college graduate, dropped out of college, somehow still got a job teaching in this school in his early twenties, math and physics. Uh, there is some question as to how in the world did that ever happen? Cause it shouldn't have. Right. Like I said, so, you know, at the, it, I, I can't see that being a place where he would, you know, at 21 sn- slip through the cracks. <coughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's uh, something that I don't, it seems orchestrated to me. Now in to present the other side, sure. as much as I may not believe it, Mr. Barr senior, was known as someone that didn't really care about your formal qualifications. He was much more along the lines of, can you get the job done? Sure. Can you teach? Okay. And if you can, you're in. The thing that sort of undermines that is he was a very, what's the right way of saying this, particular old-fashioned rule with an iron fist. Kids should not wear jeans. If your hair is too long as a boy, you get sent home. And he was big on all that. And somehow Jeffrey Epstein convinced him that he was the good fit when he would show up sure. with open collared shirts and non-traditional values, let's say. Right. So this, this little side note that this investigator being fired by Barr just happened two days ago, I believe. So, um, no reason uh, given, no, no reason given. Like I said, there's some other underlying reasons that have been, in, you know, insinuated through some other articles that I read having to do with, uh, John Bolton among other things. Yeah. Um, Turkish, a Turkish something, some, Something happened in Turkey. Sure. Um, um, but anyway, so I'm not going to dismiss the idea that there's a Epstein relation here with this position just because of all the particular pieces that are involved. So, um, 
you know, just add it to another piece of the puzzle. Um, but I, you know, I, I didn't, I don't have the image here. Maybe I'll try to find it while we're talking here. But during, when I was looking up stuff for this episode, I came across that painting. Did, the Bush or the Clinton painting? The, well, I knew, everybody pretty much knew about the Bush painting. Um, but I found this, or everybody knew about the Clinton in the blue dress and the red shoe painting. But I found coming across this, this Bush painting. So if anybody hasn't seen this, you can look it up. And if you just did, I don't know, Epstein, Bush, uh, Jenga towers, maybe in your Google image search, you'll come across this painting. But it's a painting of George Bush sitting on the floor, Indian style, like a six-year-old, playing with paper airplanes, two paper airplanes, and two fallen Jenga towers at his in front of him, where the plane is resting on top of the towers. So <laughs> make all the make all the connections there you want, but it was hanging in his office for the world to see, and somehow he thought this was just uh, no big thing. No, no big thing. Like it. It legitimately gets weirder and weirder with this dude. Disregarding all of his sexual abuse and predator stuff, the dude right. is wacko. I mean, yeah. office, he's, a, he's a maniac. Uh, he's a sociopath. He's a narcissistic sociopath who lacks any empathy for other human beings and also happens to be a pedophile. So it, it, it's, I don't know if anybody saw that documentary on Netflix or has read any of the other stuff about it. Nothing about this man makes sense. There's no way he ever should have gotten that job. At the, at the school, there's no way he ever should have made the amount of money he made advising a few other wealthy people on what to do with their money, and suddenly he's worth $600 million. Yeah, no, his money is one of the biggest mysteries in this whole thing. Like It, it, it just there, doesn't make it, sense. It, it materialized out of thin air. Right. Out um, of nowhere, it came, when and, he was wealthy. And right, and so, you know, I've heard uh, Jelaine Maxwell, his uh, main co-conspirator slash... Uh, sexual abuser, recruiter girl, you know, just as evil as this monster Jeffrey Epstein, um, you know, <laughs> they seem to have worked together to kind of orchestrate this, I don't know if it was, uh, I think it was a honeypot kind of uh, uh, scheme, but she is the daughter of Robert Maxwell, who was extremely wealthy and died under mysterious circumstances and his wealth was never found. So who knows if the wealth was just a, and he was also a known spy for uh, Israel. Uh, so, you know, who knows what that money was actually his or not, or just the agencies. And it just moved on with the daughter to a Epstein connection where they just kind of fueled this thing going. I mean, there's no doubt that they were using it to bribe the most powerful and richest people in the world. Um, bribe is not the right word there. To, 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 to what gain is really the unknown, right? So, like, w the amount of leverage that they had, they could literally do anything. So, what were they doing? Like, what were they getting? I mean, other than, you know, listen, there's the obvious money. I have, a, I have Uber money. I have the biggest house in Manhattan. I have two islands in the Caribbean. I have a ranch that is, you know, the size of a state in New Mexico. I have... Uh, one of the biggest, you know, penthouses in, in, in France. I mean, come on. I mean, so, like, there's all this stuff that is actually, you know, being used, but, like, to what game? I mean, that's just kind of like a – it's almost like just creating the aura, but to what – like, where is the – where what are they getting out of this leverage? It's an excellent question. Nothing Because it's sense. infinite. Nothing makes sense. I, listen, $600 million is an ungodly amount of money. I am not going to debate anybody on that. It is. 
$600 million is not enough money for somebody to own an island, two 747s, a $54 million mansion, a, a huge penthouse. No. I, like, it, it, it doesn't make sense. You don't own all that. That's it. The numbers don't add up unless you're never, ever worried about running out of an inflow. So that is confusing. And what they cover in this documentary, and it's utterly terrifying, is that basically every room in every house where this guy lived, whether it was his place on the island, his place in New York, his place down in uh, Florida, every single room had cameras. The bathrooms, the showers, the bedrooms, the guest room, the hallways, everything had it, and it had, uh, like, fax and scan and email machines set up that it could send whatever they wanted out in a second's notice. So when you start trying to connect these dots, there's there's two options. Either this guy is the luckiest evil human being ever because he never actually got brought up and had to serve much prison time, any prison time. He never, all of these things just happened to work out for him that he continued to do this, or he had some very serious outside help. And whether that was an intelligence agency or he genuinely just blackmailed the most powerful people in the world to make sure nothing ever happened, I I don't know, but it it just doesn't make sense. No. No part of it. No. And I've heard, uh, if you, you can check through some of these, I think I might have sent you a link. I'm not sure if you ever got to watch it. It's about an hour long. Um, Eric Weinstein um, mm-hmm. talks about when he first, and the only time he ever met Jeffrey Epstein, that he immediately called his wife at the time and said, I just met a construct, uh, which was his term, which, you know, falls to me perfectly in line with an intelligent, you know, a spy, a setup, um, where they basically manufactured this guy to be a hedge fund manager. Um, and there's no record of him ever doing any of that. So back on top of the money here. Um, but he, uh, Weinstein, back to what he said, he, he presented kind of three basic questions. I'm going to pull those questions up here so that you can kind of, excuse me, um, get an idea of what he's looking at. So, these are, these are question number one was, you know, was Jeffrey Epstein's activities known within the intelligence agencies? So they almost had to have been. So better question is when were they known, <clears throat> excuse me, when were they known by the intelligence agencies and to what, to what knowledge did they continue to operate knowing that it was as bad as it was? Right. Um, and like, can we, you know, and this was Mr. Weinstein's contention. Can we get at least a no comment from the intelligence agencies that we would never condone such activities? Because we don't even have that. Um, second, where did he get the money? So I mentioned the the Robert Maxwell, you know, missing fortune. So maybe that's a, a lead. Um, obviously, he had immediate uh, his own his only known client, Lex Wexner, of Victoria's Secrets fame, among others. I mean, the dude is one of the richest guys in the world. Um, you know, sold his $71 million mansion to Jeffrey Epstein for a dollar. Um, so I'm not really sure. Again, we talk about leverage. So clearly that's one way to use your leverage is right. to, to, to create and gain, you know, more wealth. But it doesn't seem like that was the only thing. I mean, Epstein was clearly a crazy dude. So he probably had all, all, tons of ulterior motives. But there had to be somebody else involved from the beginning and again, if Epstein is what Weinstein said, a construct that who constructed him. Yep. So, I mean, it, it has to be an intelligence agency. So I do, you know, to me, it's when did they know, not how much did they know? They knew it. They just, how, how long did they know it for and how long did they let it go? Um, and and then, how long did they know it was as bad as it exactly was? Exactly right. Which it was never not as bad as it was at the right. end. Right. So like it was always terrible. 
And second, for, for Epstein's purposes, where did he get his money? There are no financial records. There are no trading records, zero trading records of him ever managing a hedge fund, nothing. So this this term financier or banker or whatever, or hedge fund manager, like they don't apply to him. There's no record of him doing any of this. There's just a record of him showing up at 21 as a school, as a teacher, and legitimately 10 years later, the dude's a, a billionaire or acts like a billionaire. Um, so, so, so that his money and and I you know the C, and I'm assuming the CA or the Mossad or the two lead agencies who would who would know most and where the hell is Jelaine Maxwell like she clearly has passports there has to be some last note of where of, of entry or exit of some country someplace and said okay we can start here right like I mean she was last known to be here it wasn't like she was some unknown person she was a famous person who went to all these parties, right. went to all these, was in, you know, the upper circles of, of, of the world, and she disappears without a trace. So... Is she missing right now? Nobody knows where she is. I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> like... Come on. You know, right. So, you know, I've heard that she's being kept up, and, you know, the, the people who she has leverage on at places all over the world, and they're protecting her, so I just assume that seems accurate and seems fitting to what's been going on here, but, um, you know... How is she, and you know, she's at the top of the list, but clearly there were other co-conspirators. And how are they still walking around? How are they people not even being, you know, asked? Um, it seems like there's some basic stuff that's not even being asked, and it's causing, you know, just just to drag on, and with with, with no, you know, no, I don't know, I don't know if they'll ever have closure, but there's no moving forward for the victims and the survivors of this without somebody being held accountable. And right now nobody's being held accountable. Um, you know, it's, I would encourage everybody to go watch the, uh, that, that, that Netflix documentary that came out a few weeks ago, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, filthy rich. I think it's a four part series. Um, watch them, watch them again. It, nothing as, as Mr. Husong was just saying, nothing makes sense about this guy. Like, so it just, to me, with that, it makes more sense that he was an agent of some intelligence agency, and this was part of a setup, and he was using his, uh, again, his pedophilia uh, connection and br- black, blackmailing and bribing every single person he could get to whatever end he could get it. Yeah. I, listen, it's possible. I, I don't ever want to rule anything out. I, I think that we don't we don't know the end result. So it's possible that... He's just a brilliant sociopath that did get a lot of dirt on a lot of people. And the nature of his criminal empire, if you will, is it was victims turned into predators. It was the victims turned into recruiters for him to bring in other girls. So, okay. It was the pyramid scheme of of, of people, which was, you know just another level of evil on top of what he was already executing. Right. So now if you're a prosecutor and you have to go after that, that makes it at least a moderately more complicated. So, all right, how down, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? What can you prove? He did put together an insane legal defense team that was, that would be hard for any prosecutor to win against because there are very good criminal attorneys in this country that, Sure, but I mean, job. listen, if you, uh, did, did you see the Netflix special? I did. I mean, so, I mean, did Alex Acosta really need to go up? I mean, yeah, he might have been going against the best brilliant defense team in the history, but, like, he caved in a second. So it wasn't like he was putting up a fight. He basically met him. He, he helped them. He 
enabled the agreement to happen under his nose on purpose. So it wasn't like they needed the defense team. They just needed the power of the de- of whatever Epstein had. That, there was no trial. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like they needed the 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 savviness of the what they needed to have to write an agreement. They brought Acosta in. They met in a hotel with the defense team and wrote the agreement without the victims knowing. Yeah. So, I mean, I you're right. He put together a defense team, but that defense team never really needed to be executed, other than just knowing how to draft a, an agreement. Well, they also they did a lot of. Uh... I mean, they bashed the victims and the in right. the public and 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 tried to you know you know, muddy the waters, but like, and basically came to, it wasn't a cost of it. It was the other prosecutors and just said, if you're going to do that, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And we're going to do this. You're not going to win, which so. is some of its legal bluster. And anybody that's ever worked in the legal field knows that it is, it's there. These people are out there and that's fine. It listen do I think it's the most likely scenario. No, I, I think it's far more likely. There was more at play. There was some level of a, what we would call a conspiracy. I, I just can't add up all of the coincidences with anything else other than it may not have been a, a CIA or the Mossad or anything else, but, but somebody was watching out for this guy. No doubt. For whatever reason, somebody was watching out for this man and somebody was making sure he stayed out of trouble. And like I said, just to follow up on Acosta, you know, the whole story of him being vetted for labor secretary, ask point blank. You were the Florida attorney handling the Epstein case. Is this going to be a problem in your appointment? Acosta's, you know, reply, no, I was told to leave him alone. He's intelligence. So if that is in fact true, and that's, you know, the, the, the vetting of a uh, labor secretary <clears throat> is, I believe, public record. And I don't think this has been refuted anywhere that he said this. Then what are we doing? Like, the, the, like we are not asking enough people enough basic questions to get even a no comment um, like I said, this is maybe people have heard me say this is the biggest story I think ever. Um, I think it's bigger than any world war. I think it's bigger than nine 11. I think it's bigger than anything. And the fact that our media, mainstream media, traditional media, corporate media will not go anywhere near this with any kind of vigor other than just coattail reporting on independent investigative journalism is telling in itself because this is the biggest story of all time just with the names that we know already the bill clintons the alan dershowitzes these guys are the most powerful people in the world um like it it, and that's just what we know like you know there are court records thousands of pages of court records with additional names powerful names that we do not know anything about um and they're still walking around with no ramification, no punishment, not even shedding light on the idea that they might be an evil person. So the whole the whole case is crazy. This this will not be the last time we discuss Jeffrey Epstein on this show, I can promise you. Um, I don't believe Epstein killed himself, which is just to put that on the record there. I am more Thanks likely <laughs> I'm more likely to believe he's actually alive than dead. I'm about 70/30 on that, alive uh, being the 70. Um, because all of the things that would be needed to commit the murder of Jeffrey Epstein would also be needed to commit the cover-up of a murder, except for the body double, right? So, like, you need the cameras to go out. You need all the guards to be falling asleep. You need cooperation with the facility. You just need a body double. So 
I'm assuming a guy with unlimited resources and a crazy maniacal ego sociopathic brain has a body double, if not multiple body doubles. I mean, I think Saddam Hussein had like seven body doubles. I'm sure Kim Jong-un has a body double out there walking right now, that dead motherfucker. So um, I, I'm assuming Jeffrey Epstein had a body double because it, why wouldn't he? It, it, mm. It's not even the most bizarre thing that you've known about Jeffrey Epstein. If you said, oh, yeah, he's got a, three body doubles, you'd be like, oh, okay. That's like 27th down on the list. So right. I, could, could he have been killed? For sure. I mean, some the most powerful people, as we just talk, talked about, you know, did not want his information coming coming forward, but he doesn't strike me as a guy who was all that fearful of the system. I think that's fair. at all. And way too big of an ego to be like shameful of his actions. Yeah. Right. So like he's not going to kill himself out of fear for ramifications of what's going to happen in the system when he's never been touched in his whole life and probably never and never will. And his not actions make it him. seem like he could never kill himself. Like it's just that's like you'd be killing the most important person on the planet. So I, I, just, I think you are correct. And this is where I will just throw in the two cents of he may have killed himself. It is possible. Where it's are the pictures? Not, it's not. Where are the pictures? I, listen, I'm just saying it's not impossible. It could have happened. I do think of all of the scenarios, it's the least likely. It is but it likely. could have happened. It could have. That's all I got. All right. I'll give you 70% that he's alive and then 29.9% that he's <laughs> killed by somebody and 0.1% that he killed himself with no pictures right. of his dead body hanging with the napkin paper towels. Um, and there's almost no shot it happened in the way that they said, if it, if he did kill himself, this is the same thing. Like how do you get this many breaks? Neither right. of the guards that are supposed to be watching you watch right. you and two cameras simultaneously go right. out. And like I said, I, I think I may have mentioned this to you is that, you know, I, I respect Dr. Baden, but like he probably never met Jeffrey Epstein until he was a dead body in a laying in a, in a morgue someplace or something. So like, a body double could have tricked Dr. Baden as well, and all he did was basically confirm that the body double was killed, which makes perfect sense to me because what body double would be like, oh, yeah, I'll get killed for you on purpose. Like, you're going to murder that dude, and if you know you're going to use him as a body double for a hanging, you're going to strangle him. So whatever. Like, you know, it's, you, it's it'd be very difficult to convince me, first of all, you can't convince me that he killed himself. Um Fair. I, I just can't. I just can't get my head around that. I, you could convince me if, if if enough if there was enough other evidence which hasn't materialized that somebody killed him. That's there hasn't been enough evidence that differentiates between somebody killing him and him being jetted out of there under the cover of night. I guess so. Um, all again, all those same things that you would needed to have somebody in there and go kill him. You would need to sneak him out of there. Yes, and I guess if you're going to do one of those two, the second one makes more sense. Listen, I'm sure he has probably endless information, endless value, leverage that, you know, listen, if you're, if you're working for an intelligence agency, as we kind of, I think anyway, at least think it was, they have the resources to do everything. I mean, and, and getting, paying, uh, paying enough money to a, you know, a coroner to put something on a piece of paper is not beyond the realm of possibility either. No, nope. so, no, it's not. It's, like I said, this this story's not going away. Like I said, every every two weeks there seems to be something going on here, and I'm fascinated with it because it doesn't make any sense, as you point out. And I plan on continuing to cover this for as long as until he's found. Yeah, I, listen, I I think it makes sense. If you guys if you haven't looked into it at all, 
Watch this. Watch the Netflix. Yeah, start with the Netflix. It's depressing. Uh, in full disclosure, it is. It's depressing that this happened. It's depressing what these people had to go through. This story becomes. I don't want to use the word fascinating because it sounds it's horrific. Well, it's, it's the same thing to me. It's like I, I, in my head, I refer to him as the evil Forrest Gump. Right, the dude is involved in so many things in the world, and somehow, he just keeps going. He just shows up. He just shows up in all these things. Just like Forrest. Uh, you threw me off with that. <laughs> <laughs> I truly, I'm, I'm, but I'm not a loss am I, now. Am I right? That, like, he shows up analogy. in this. Like, he was part of the the biggest, uh, 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 what do you call it? What was the Madoff thing there? The uh, Ponzi scheme. The Ponzi scheme. So he was involved. Epstein was the co-conspirator in the basically the biggest Ponzi scheme until Madoff, and he doesn't get charged. No. He just, the, his partner, oh, he serves, you know, 10 years and whatever, like something, years, yeah, maybe yeah, something, a, in, a, a long time in jail. And he's still one. I was like, I don't know how he never got charged. Well, well, now we know. Oh, man. So, I mean, listen, the dude shows up in, in you know, the, the book, the pictures, the, the, the names that are associated with this guy from, you know, again, former presidents, Clinton and, and current President Trump. You've got Israeli prime ministers. You've got Bill Gates. You've got the crazy, like the, the some of the most famous scientists in the planet. Right. The, 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 the the guest list, if you will, the Rolodex of Epstein is the who's who of the world. It's not like he is, he is you almost get like bigger names, right? It's, it's impossible. Right. So, um, which is why I say it's the biggest story that has ever existed. Um, listen, touching on that, I agree with you. The fact that our mainstream media will not go near this story and several others like it. And please understand when we say mainstream media, we're talking about Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, all of them. Yeah, all, right? of them. all of the major news yeah. networks that we're all, all lumping them into mainstream. Right. This should be a story. It and should be a story every day. Right. And if it's not, why? Right. Why is this not a story? And it's the same of... I, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. I'm saying that there is a reason. I think ultimately all of these things are run by people, and people have similar motivations with the exception of the sociopaths. Most people have similar motivations, similar fears, similar drives. What is it about this that this story keeps getting killed? I mean, that one reporter got fired from, uh, I think it was ABC, yeah. because she wanted to run an Epstein piece. And, right. so, and it wasn't her. even the reporter. It was... So Amy Robach from ABC, Thank you. she had the story. She's still employed by ABC. She, she, had, the, she had the story. Her producer for that episode, who just, she didn't do anything other than just mark the, the, the tape and said, here, here here's this, this is a, a, an outtake, you know, off the, off the cuff thing for Amy Robach. Didn't, work, didn't do anything other than mark the tape. She gets a job at CBS, you know, years after the fact, ABC pressures CBS to fire this girl who had nothing to do with it. Basically, there's an insider at ABC who put out this video, had nothing to do with this other person. So th th they conspired to, to, to not, you know, it, they conspired to fire somebody to who at a they rival thought network. that they rival. thought might have leaked this story, right? So, like, such mundane little thing for somebody as big as ABC to call somebody as big as CBS to fire a producer, I believe from the network for something that in hindsight, she had nothing to do with. So not only is it necessarily just not covering, they're actively trying to, you know, make sure that other people don't come forward. You know, they're, they're, they're basically by this, they made this girl an example out of by getting her fired just because she marked a clip about it. So, right. um, 
it's it's more than just not covering the story. I believe the all these traditional media outlets are actively actively per, and purposely not covering the story um, and covering up parts of the story that they're involved with, like ABC not airing the story years ago. So how many more yeah. victims and survivors have been created during those last three years, right? So like I said, I, so, so people have to keep covering it. Um, you know, there's a bunch of alternative uh, and independent journalists out there trying to, to, to update this story every turn, every time there's something new. Um, and hopefully we're going to continue to be one of those, those outlets, because again, the story, I can't see it going away anytime soon. Um, you know, every question about this case brings a fascinating answer. So like, and every answer to every question matters, right? Like we, we know so little and there's no, there's not as many answers as there are questions that, need to be asked and some of them are just as basic as where the hell is Jelaine Maxwell right I mean like how is this how is this not a thing so um that, that should be you know I don't know if she needs to be on milk cartons or or you know run every day on the on the news talking about where is Jelaine Maxwell but you know she needs to be brought to at least some part of questioning I mean you know at, at a bare minimum right. so um I don't know. I mean, said I would tell everybody to go watch that Netflix documentary if that's uh, if Netflix is your thing. Um, there's a bunch of uh, you know, there's other documentaries and and a bunch of stuff that you can find you know doing the interwebs. It's out there. It's out there. It's out there in galore. So um, again, probably the biggest story of all time. So we'll probably make sure that that fits our way into our show, Mister Husong. What else? Anything else today? No, I think we're good. I think uh, I'm thoroughly depressed now um, after talking about Jeffrey Epstein for that long. And it's an atrocious example of humanity. And it's also utterly fascinating because of the complexity and how nothing has a clear answer. There's There's nothing, even you and I, when we were doing the prep for the show, it was what dates did Donald Barr teach at the school or right. when was he running it and when did Epstein start? Right. We're on four different websites, got four right. different dates. Right. Right. We don't even know if they overlapped. Right. We think they did. Right. But we don't know. Right. This is nuts. It's dates. Why do we not know this? Right. This should be so black. Yeah, and it's not like it's, you know, we're talking about 1800s here, right? right. We're talking about 40 years well, ago. 40 years ago. That's it. So it shouldn't be this impossible to get the, to get the information and straightforward. But I, this is where you have to shake your head and go, huh? Well, Okay. And look, it's an awful story. It's an ugly story. And if this was a uh, intelligence gathering from a state-sanctioned agency, I'm sure you got all kinds of leverage and all kinds of useful intelligence out of running the most unethical honeypot ever established. Yeah. Because as soon as you get caught with that, your and life is like over. Said, and to me, just to, to to wrap it up, that's the biggest question: to what end? What were they? What yeah. were they getting out of it? So it could have been. It could be endless. So, yeah. oh well. All right. Another day. Thank you again, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We'll be back again next week uh, with another action-packed episode. I'm sure we'll touch into the the COVID numbers maybe even a little bit more since I'm sure that's going to happen. And uh, thank you again for uh, tuning in. Thanks, guys.